And welcome back to a throwback edition of Kolos. This is your host, Rabbi Hillel Kappenstein, director of the Columbus Community Kolo. And it's a great honor and privilege to bring to you a throwback edition featuring Saul Werdiger. You know, before Kolos came about, we had something called the Parsha Buzz series, where Jewish learning and business meet. We did this during the COVID lockdowns, and it was a great way to interact with one another. And we got to hear from great guests, several different guests that came on to speak after the short Parsha class and share their story, their expertise. And I thought I would replay one of the best ones that we ever had. Saul, you may know, is the CEO of Outer Stuff and chairman of A Good Israel of America. He was very, very kind and gracious to come to our dinner last year and spoke beautifully. Saul has great stories and an inspiring message you will all enjoy very much. To sponsor a Kolot episode, email me, sponsorkolot at gmail.com. Once again, sponsorkolot at gmail.com. And without any further ado, let's bring you to the Throwback Edition. Thank you very much. Um, it's not such a big privilege and honor, but... It's always great to, 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 to talk to people in outside communities. Obviously, I have a, uh, a relationship with the Columbus community. Uh, Jay's and Jeannie are good friends of ours for, uh, God knows, uh, dozens of years. Up until, up until COVID, we spent uh, twice a year Chagim holidays together in Israel, uh, both Sukkot and Shavuot, and, and uh, we, we speak quite often. And, uh, you know, the Schattenstein family and, and, as he said, the study of the Talmud are are synonymous. They, they go hand in hand. I'll tell you some unbelievable stories about that. But anyway, I think my name is Saul Werdiger. Um, I'm just a regular Jewish boy living in Flatbush in Brooklyn, New York. Um, um, I, I just happened to, you know, God, everything works in mysterious ways. Um, I'm a kid that grew up uh, uh, religious and um, went to school, went to Brooklyn College. And for some odd reason, uh, God found instead of becoming a, uh, a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant, as most of my other friends, I ended up in the sports business and couldn't figure out what, you know, what did God want for me? Why did he put me into this sports business? It's really not much of a Jewish business. You know, they play games on the Shabbat and, and uh, it's not exactly something that a nice Jewish boy from Brooklyn would want to get into. And, you know, it took me a while to figure it out. But I think now in hindsight and retrospect, I could share with you unquestionably why God chose to put me into this, uh, uh, into this business. So, you know, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not a rabbi. You have a great rabbi there. And, and I'm not here to preach and tell you, uh, you know, the importance of, of, of any level of, of religion, whether it's keeping Shabbat or keeping kosher. But I could be the testament is the testament that I have is, is that if you think that doing any of those things is going to hold you back from accomplishing anything you want to accomplish, I'm the living example of absolutely natural. So, you know, if I could be in a business like this, you know, with the football players and making uniforms for the NFL and the NBA and baseball and going to all these events and, 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 you know, spending Shabbat. And if I could survive and, and not only survive, but thrive in this industry, being who I am. So, so that, that's, that's the message. The, the, I'll tell you some stories, but the message is, is that 
if you could be in this business that I'm in and still continue me and my family and my children are in my business with me and continue to keep Shabbat and keep the Chagim, the holidays. And, and most importantly is to walk around. I, I, I'm not telling you you have to, but you know, I walk around all day long with my kippah. My kids walk around in my kippah, but I'm officially known. I was taken to the White House and introduced by the commissioner as the rabbi of the NFL. And I've made, I made the invocation when the commissioner of the NBA was taken over. I, I'm the guy that got up and made the invocation. I could, I could regale you with hundreds of stories, but the, the truth of the matter is, and, and I'll tell you a couple of stories that really, you know, highlight, you know, what you could accomplish and what you could do as long as you're consistent. I always tell my kids, you know, the one thing is in, in religion is consistency. They know who I am. I'll tell you the story. My first year, this goes back almost 25 years ago that I got an NFL license. So it was a big deal to get an NFL license. That's like, a, you know, it's like, you know, that's the crown jewel of, of sports. And I get an NFL license and I'm going to my first Super Bowl. You can imagine how exciting this is. It's uh, I'm going to my first Super Bowl. And I find out that, um, you know, I, I, whenever I, wherever I went, I found out where the local shul was or the local Chabad, you know, thank God for Chabad, there's a Chabad everywhere. And, um, and I was, I'm being told that the main event of the weekend for all of us, the licensees, is a brunch on Saturday afternoon. I said, oh my God, a brunch on, on Saturday afternoon, it's, it's my Shabbat. But, you know, it's my first year of having a license. And I said, you know, I Googled it. I had my secretary check it out where it is. And she finds out that it's about a mile and a half or maybe two miles from the hotel that I'm staying. So I said, you know what? Out of respect for them, it's my first year. I'm going to show respect. And so I get up in the morning. I go to synagogue. I come back. My wife is, is there with me. We have the Shabbat meal in our hotel room. And... I pick myself up and I'm going to start walking to the, to wherever this NFL brunch is. So I start walking and as I'm walking, guys see me walking and they stop the car. They don't know from Shabbat. So they say, so why are you walking? Come on, we'll give you a lift. I said, Hey, I, I can't, it's my Shabbat. I don't go into a car. And then a second guy stops me and a third guy stops me. And, and I finally show up there it was a, was pretty hot day. And uh, I think it was in uh, Arizona maybe. And, um, and I show up, I'm a little bit sweated. And by the time I've come there, everybody's talking about how this crazy Saul, this new licensee, is walked, he's walking all the way from his hotel to this brunch. And, and uh, uh, so the commissioner comes running over to me, says, Saul, what is this I hear that you have to walk? I said, yeah, it's my Sabbath. And they didn't really know the, the rules and regulations. I said, it's my Sabbath. And, but out of respect for you guys, you, 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 know, you honored me with a license. And, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk here, I said, but it's not so bad because the worst part about it is I got to walk back too. I said, you know, I walked here, but I got to walk back. And he was very interested about the customs and how I only walk. Make a long story short, fast forward now, it's nine or 10 months later and they're planning the next year's Super Bowl. And my secretary tells me that the commissioner's office called up and wanted to know what hotel cell are you staying in for the Super Bowl? I said, I have no idea why, but if you want, tell them. Make a long story short, for 25 years now, whatever hotel I stay in is where the NFL makes that brunch that I shouldn't have to walk. So what happened was, is the NFL realized that I'm, I'm, true, I'm, I'm a true guy to my religion. I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to, 
I'm not going to desecrate the Shabbat. I'm, I'm going to guy that's going to sanctify the Shabbat. And he's so respectful. They were so respectful of the fact that I did that and honored them and I didn't give up my religion. And I didn't cheat and, and, and come and go and do whatever I did. That they make the brunch every single year now for 25 years. Okay. I find they find out where I'm staying, which is lo- usually next to a synagogue. They go into that hotel, they rent the ballroom, and they make their brunch there. And it became a big thing, and I can't tell, tell you how many people, you know, they had Jewish people, employees of the NFL or, or, or some of the other leagues. And the same thing is with all the leagues. I go to NBA All-Star Game. I go with my kids. And, and I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, uh, um, somebody comes over to me, he works at the NBA, and he says to me, Saul, uh, you're here with your kids. What do you do for Shabbat? I said, we bring along food. We have a Shabbat meal. He says, do you mind if I come? And join you for the Shabbat meals. I said, my, my, my pleasure. He says to me, is it okay if we next year, he enjoyed himself so much. He said, the next year, is it okay if I send out an email to all the Jewish employees at the NBA, if they want to join the Werdigers for a Shabbat meal? Make a long story short, we have, we have these days between 80 and 100 people, every NBA All-Star game, even the commissioner who's Jewish, Adam Silva, comes to, comes to our Shabbat. So, so the first message is, is that 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 th- th- there's a reason for everything? Now I realize why why God put me in this business. But more important than that is, is if you if you're consistent in your conviction, and you're serious about what you do, it's not going to hurt you. If anything, it's going to enhance you. There's no question that myself and my kids and our business has become more and more successful. The more we the more we stay true to 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 who we are. The the you know, the MBA the MBA, they they order. I mean, I sit with the commissioner in the suite at Super Bowl. He orders me kosher food. I mean, you know, I sit at, I sit at the, you know, wherever we go, they, they know that, that you know, we, they can't schedule us for Shabbat. They know that we have to, you know, we pray. We have to be near a synagogue. They know that we have kosher food. And as much as possible, they try to accommodate, uh, you know, us with that. And they're very respectful. They know no matter what happens, they can't call me on the Sabbath. Uh, um, they can't, you know, I'll never forget there was once a World Series game. Yankees were in the seventh game of the World Series that was being played on, on a Sabbath. And, you know, but us, it's very important. Whoever wins the Super Bowl, you know, we have to start, you know, we print all those T-shirts that say, you know, World Series champs and, you know, Super Bowl champs. And, you know, we, we do all of that stuff. And I'll never forget, I, I, I went to synagogue that day. I guess the Yankees must have been winning. And um, I came back and my, my wife says, the phone's been ringing off the wall for the last half an hour. And I pick up the phone and it was the commissioner of the MLB. He says, Saul, why didn't you pick up the phone? I said, it's Shabbat. He says, I know, but I went outside and I looked in the sky. You told me if there's three stars in the sky, you could pick up the phone. And he says, I went outside to look. I saw three stars. Why didn't you pick up the phone? I said, okay, I'm sorry. I, you know, I went to synagogue. We just came home. He says, Yankees are winning. You got to stop printing the World Series champ shirts. You know, so we have hundreds and hundreds of stories, but most important is over the years and meeting so many people at these sporting events and they, and by those people realizing that you could be, you know, true to your religion and still be successful in the business that you're in, you have no idea how many lives myself and my children have affected. And we've affected so many lives around this. I, I'll tell you a great story that I had just recently. Um, there was a famous, one of my heroines in Jewish life was a woman by the name of Rebetzin Esther Jungreis. Did anybody hear of her? I'm sure you did. She was a, a, an unbelievable woman. She founded 
uh, this organization called Hineni, and she, she really brought so many hundreds, probably thousands of Jewish families uh, closer to Judaism and, and closer to, to, their, to their Jewish identity. And she set up a program in my office uh, many, many, many years ago where she was very effective. She would bring up, because kids are so enthralled with sports. You know, you bring up, you know, you bring, you bring these kids, or I, even college kids come to my offices by the hundreds. You bring them to a successful Jewish businessman. I, you know, big deal. So he, he's a doctor, a lawyer, or, you know, an accountant, an investment banker. But sports, you know, that's like the, that's the equalizer. You know, they bring, they bring these kids up to my office and they see them making the, designing these jerseys and all these t-shirts and the kids really go crazy. So it's, it's a, it's a very positive influence for young kids. So she set up a program in my office where she'd bring up families, fathers and, 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 and mothers and their kids. And we'd have once a month, we'd have like a little early dinner in my office and they would give them a tour of my place. And, I would tell them stories. So I, not long ago, I had a kid, a uh, family come up, one of the families, and it was a, a father, a mother, and uh, a, young, a young man, and, and a girl, uh, four in the family, and, and the kid's pestering me. I mean, this, this kid to the point of, of annoying me, but he's asking me, you know, dozens of questions. You know, what do you do here? What do you do there? How do you eat kosher here? What do you do here when you go here? And so I told him a cute story. I told him, he says to me, uh, you know, I said at the last World Series, I said the only place that never gets the kosher food right is Major League Baseball. For some reason, they order it from a place that's like kosher style, but kosher style is not really kosher. And and I always I never want to embarrass them. And so I you know take the food, I move it around from plate to plate. You know, I make believe like I'm eating it. And so last year at the World Series, two years ago, the World Series it was either in Chicago or Cleveland. It was one of those stadiums, and there's a kosher hot dog stand downstairs in the on the stands. So I walked in with my with my son, and he says, "Dad, let's you know, in case they have they don't have really kosher right kosher food up there, let's buy a couple of hot dogs." And I'm telling this kid the story, and I I, I tell the kid the uh, so I, I walk over to the hot dog guy, and the hot dog guy says, "I said, can I have some hot dogs?" He says, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm sold out." I said, "How could you be sold out at a World Series of kosher hot dogs? You gotta." He says he knows, but he knows exactly how many he sells. He says some crazy guy came and bought 40 hot dogs. And, you know, he doesn't expect to do a sale of 40 to one guy. So he ran out of hot dogs. I said, okay. I told my son, whatever, they'll, we'll eat pretzels, peanuts, and, uh, <clears throat> and popcorn. Come upstairs to the suite. And the commissioner of Major League Baseball goes, running over Saul, don't you ever complain about kosher food. I bought you 40 hot dogs, he tells me. So, so I'm telling this kid this story. And it was very nice, and we had a, a a lovely evening. Okay, two weeks later, my secretary tells me, Saul, somebody's just happened. Somebody, so and so, was on the phone. I said, ask him who he is. He says, just tell Saul I'm the father of that kid who was pestering him with questions a couple of weeks ago at at that session. So I pick up the phone, and in a very angry voice, he says to me, Saul, you owe me fifty thousand dollars. I said, I owe you $50,000. I, I only met you once in my life. What, why do I owe you $50,000? He says, my kid, since he's been in your office, is driving us crazy. And he's saying, I don't understand something, Dad. He says, Saul goes to World Series and he eats kosher. And he goes to Super Bowl and he eats kosher. And he goes to the NBA All-Star Game and he eats kosher. And he goes to the Olympics in Korea and he eats kosher. And I'm being bar mitzvah. Here in New York, 
And my bar mitzvah is not kosher. He says, Dad, how is that possible? And that's what he tells his father. And I said, wow, that's great. He says, yeah, but the kosher caterer wants $50,000 more than the regular caterer. And I wasn't sure if he's serious or not. So I said to Mr. So-and-so, he sa I said to him, um, be a privilege for myself and my family to pay for the kosher by mitzvah of your son. The man broke down and started crying like a baby. And he said, Saul, I'm a very, very wealthy man. I'm making my son's bar mitzvah in the Pierre Hotel in New York City. Bar mitzvah is going to cost a million dollars. And I'm just calling to honestly thank you and tell you this is going to be the first kosher affair in our family in generations. And he invited me to the bar mitzvah, and I went to the bar mitzvah. This kid is now studying. He's studying in a yeshiva. He's, he's more interested in, Judea, in Jewish studies. So, you know, what did I do? Nothing. You know, you could, the influence you could make on somebody's life and the, and, and, and the, and the, and the, 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 the you understand that you're in, you're, you're, you're here for a, for, a, for a higher calling. You know, it's great that I make jerseys and I, and I, and, and thank God we make a very nice living. We have a great business, but we could influence other people. It's, it's, it's an unbelievable situation. So, so I'll tell you the next story. And your rabbi was talking to you about this Siyam Ashas and about what, what this does for unity in, in, in Klal Yisrael. And it's the most, and, and that's a, it's a Columbus, Ohio uh, uh, phenomenon. It's Jay and, and his family who saw the vision. But actually my father of blessed memory studied in, by this rabbi who came up with this concept. And this rabbi foresaw, he was a visionary. And he saw that in, 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 in Europe, he was in Poland, he saw pre-war that, that uh, the Jewish people are going to start getting spread out all over the world. The Holocaust was coming, the Nazis were coming, and he realized that there are going to be Jews dispersed all over the world. And he, he, he came up with this idea of studying one page a day. Everybody, like the rabbi said, he went, he met somebody who was studying the page. He came up with this brilliant idea of, in order to unify, to have some sort of commonality now, I could I could pick myself up on business and I travel and I'm tomorrow I'm in I'm in Buenos Aires or I'm in uh, Rio, San Paulo or I'm in Melbourne, Australia or wherever I am in the world and I go into a synagogue and I sit down by a table. There's another fellow Jew who has something in common with me. He's studying that same page as I am. And it comes along with conversations. It brings young couples to Columbus, but it, you can't imagine how many hundreds and hundreds of acquaintances I've made over the years by having this commonality with people and starting discussion with people, et cetera. So being in the sports business, it takes seven and a half years to complete the Talmud. I don't know if all of you know that. There's 2,711 pages. You could imagine if you study a page a day or you miss a day, you make it up over the weekend, but it's a huge celebration when you finish after seven and a half years. It's a, it's a lot of work. And so it started off slow many, many years ago when we finished celebrating. We took some theater that held, <coughs> excuse me, 3,000 people or 4,000 people, and we filled it up. The next cycle, we took Madison Square Garden, and we filled up 18,000 people. And the next cycle, we have to take Madison Square Garden and the NASA Coliseum, and so forth and so on. And so in... Uh, uh, two cycles ago, that means in, in uh, uh, about, I think it was 2013 or 2014. Since I'm in the sport business, I said, guys, we got to think big. 
we got to go all the way. There's so many thousands and thousands that we don't even know how many people are studying. Let's, let's, let's take a shot and let's take MetLife Stadium. And they looked at me like I'm crazy. The rabbi said, Sal, are you out of your mind? MetLife Stadium, you, you, you got to fill it up. Anyway, make a long story short, we filled up MetLife Stadium. We put in 92,000 people for the completion of the Talmud, 92,000 people. And I'm going to tell you the, the greatest, greatest story. I, I, when, we, when we did this, we had this huge signing ceremony uh, at MetLife Stadium. So we had the old, MetLife Stadium is shared by the Giants and by the Jets. So uh, um, the Giants are owned, actually, one of the owners is a Jewish family by the name of Tish, the Tish family. And the, Jet, the Jets are owned by the Johnson, Woody Johnson, who's not Jewish. And uh, they share the stadium. So we had the owners of the Giants, the owners of the Jets, a few of our board members and some of the greatest rabbis of our generation coming ceremonially to sign this contract that we're taking MetLife Stadium for this completion of the, of the Talmud celebration. And a few weeks before that, I get a call to my office from somebody who says his name is so-and-so and so-and-so. And he heard what we're doing and he, he lives in Israel and he wants to fly in. If I permit him, it's very important to him. He wants to fly in to say a few words at the signing ceremony. And I said, why? He says, just ask Mr. Tish, ask Mr. Johnson. They know my name and I want to come in. And so I checked him out. They said he's a legitimate guy. He worked for them and he flew in for this celebration. So at the celebration, I got up and said a few words. The owners of the Giants and Jets said, wow, what an unbelievable thing. We're using our stadium for... Uh, for a huge gathering of, 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 of Jewish people for this completion of the Talbot. Some rabbis spoke, and then I called this guy to speak. This guy got up, and here's what he said. Listen to this carefully. He said, the reason that I'm here is, he turned around to Mr. Tish and Mr. Johnson. He says, I worked for your guy, you guys for 10 years. He says, I gave my life and a billion dollars of your money to build this stadium. And he was the guy that, that was the manager of the project that built the stadium. And he turned around to Mr. Tish and he says, you know, I had a retrospection of life. You know, you know, Jimmy, Mr. Tish, I'm living now in Israel and I became about to tshuva and I'm sitting and I'm studying and I'm living in Israel. And in my retrospection of life, I said to myself, what did God want for me? Why did he make me waste 10 years of my life and a billion dollars of Jewish money he said, to build a football stadium out of all things, that every Sunday they come, the guys come, they're rowdy, they drink beer, then they drink more beer. And he says, I really couldn't figure out what did God want from me? And I kept on going to rabbis, why did he make me waste 10 years of my time to do this? He says, I came here today to say I will never question God again. Now I know why God made me waste 10 years of my life and a billion dollars of your money in order to hold this celebration of the Talmud. He says it was worth every day of my 10 years. And he turns around to Mr. Tish and he says it was worth every penny of your billion dollars. And you're going to hold the largest gathering of Jewish history of 92,000 people to sanctify the name of God and to bring unity to the Jewish people at this event. You had everything. You had black hats, no hats, kippas regah. You had from every stripe, and you can imagine every type of Jew, affiliated, non-affiliated. And he says, for that alone, it was worth every day of my 10 years. So 
you know, what, what I'm trying to say is, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm off tangent a little bit, but basically, you know, my message is, and, and very clear that, that, you know, there's a lot, I'm, I'm not going to waste your time, and, and my time is short now too, but I, I welcome you to Google the story that happened to me in my office, what it means to, when you have a, a, a Jewish workplace, when you're, when you're, when you're Jewish, you run, I run my workplace respectfully, I treat all my people respectfully, and there's a great story that happened uh, um, a couple of years ago with the Korean ambassador. I, I'm not going to go tell it to you now because it's a 15-minute story, but you should Google it. I guess it's, it must be. I've told it over so many times. But the message is, the message is whatever. Listen, there's no question we're the chosen people. I, I, I'm not saying that in an arrogant way, but we are. We're, we're, we are the chosen people. And, and God has sent each one of us down to do to, to sanctify his name and to act accordingly. And everybody says, ah, he doesn't know that I'm, they don't know I'm Jewish. They know you're Jewish. Believe me, they know you're Jewish. Um, you know, whether you walk around with a kippah, whether you, you don't, it doesn't make a difference. They know you're Jewish. And you can't imagine how important it is to live your life accordingly. Again, I, I, to whatever level of religion you, you are, you want to be, but don't think for one second that, as I said before, that it's going to hold you back from accomplishing anything you want to accomplish. You're going to, you know, you know, the, the, you know, I, I had a great story. Some of you may have heard this. I don't know who heard me speak. I, and I'll end with this story. I had, you know, a couple of years ago, the Super Bowl was in Miami. And, um, and, you know, so every, you know, Sabbath in the morning, I take my prayer shawl and I go out of my room. I'm going to synagogue. And some very famous NFL quarterback is coming out of his room next door to me. And he sees me uh, walking my yarmulke. And he knows me. The NFL guys know, you know, Rabbi Saul. And, and I'm walking with my prayer, my prayer shawl. He says, Rabbi, Rabbi, it's the Sabbath. I see you're going to synagogue. Could you bless me? I said, what do you need a blessing for? He says, I'm looking for a new job and uh, as a quarterback. And I want to, and I, give me a blessing. So I don't know what this, I'm not a rabbi to bless anybody. But I take his hand and I do some mumble jumble. And I give him a blessing. And that was the end of that. Well, make Fast forward, like four or five months later, my secretary tells me so-and-so is on the phone. This quarterback calls me and says, Rabbi, you're the greatest. You have no idea. I got the best job I ever got. I got a contract, tens of millions of dollars. What can I do for you? Can I make out a check? Do you have a favorite charity? Okay. I said, listen, you want to get some charity? I, my, my family is very involved in, in, in centers across the country for special needs Jewish kids. So we, he sent out a very nice check. And um, that was the end of that. So next year, Super Bowl time again, a couple of weeks before Super my secretary tells me the NFL Players Association, the NFL PA, is calling up, wants to know what hotel you're in. I said, I don't know why. I don't know we do better. Okay, call them. Make a long story short, I came down to synagogue the next week. There's at least 10 guys waiting in line to get a blessing from me. 10 NFL players are waiting to get a blessing. It became like a, like a whole folklore in the NFL. So I was giving out, giving out blessings. And I made more money for charity, you know, doing that than, than, than you know, you never thought of a football player giving charity to a, Jew, to a Jewish cause. So they're all humorous stories, but, but they're all, it, it's life. It's, first of all, it, it, it's, it's my... It's my, it satisfies my question is why did God put me into this sports business? But it also satisfies that no matter what you do, no matter you can make an impact in life, no matter what you do, uh, um, you know, you could, you, you should, 
uh, you should think about the fact that being religious, eating kosher, setting aside time for study every day, uh, 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 having having study partners, having a study group, I don't know whether it's partners in Torah or Rabbi uh, Kappenstein, all of those things are just going to help you improve uh, uh, your life, both your, your regular life, but also your business life. I'm the example of that. I'm not a rabbi. I was never a practicing rabbi. But all of these things, that by, by, by staying true to my religion, by staying true to myself, to my, to my roots, to understanding that we're part of a chosen people, no question about it, that has helped me immensely in my professional and business lives, made me a lot more successful than I probably would have. God says, you know, you're doing great. You're doing what I wanted you to do. You're sanctifying my neighbor every day. You're walking around. You're a walking Kiddush Hashem. Why shouldn't I make it successful? The more successful I make you, the more of my work you're going to do. So that's really my message. I, 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 I don't know if there's any questions or anything like that, but I hope I, hope, uh, I, I, hope I didn't bore you too much with, with, uh, with my message. And, uh, and, you know, continue. You have a great rabbi out there. You have a great community. It's a grown community. Gary's, by the way, uh, Gary's my closest friend. I speak to Gary every single day. Every single day. He's like my brother. And look what he's doing in Detroit. Look how he turned around that community. So I uh, hope you do the same thing in Columbus. And I wish you all uh, the best of luck in, in anything and everything you do. Wow. That was awesome. Not boring at all. And I'll take a blessing too, by the way. To listen to all Colo's episodes and see upcoming guests, visit colopodcast.com. We are also on all podcast players. Type in Colot on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, and Amazon. Share with your friends and please make sure to give us a five-star review. Colot is a project of the Columbus Community Kolel, a full-time Jewish learning center in Bexley, staffed with high-caliber Torah scholars. Ever since 1995, boys, girls, men, and women from all backgrounds and affiliations have found many opportunities to connect with Torah and mitzvot at the Kolel. Whether it's a study partner, engaging lesson, or a program, the Kolel is your one-stop shop for all your Jewish learning. If you want to know how you can benefit from the Kolel, visit thekolel.org. That is T-H-E-K-O-L-L-E-L dot org and forever be inspired.